Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sockbun Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. Hi guys, how are you doing? If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that I have not recorded a podcast in a month, basically. Because February was really hard. February was really hard. Um... You know, we had the Olympics. That was great fun. I just kind of didn't record because I was watching the Olympics. And then the Olympics ended. And four days later, the world decided to implode upon itself when Russia, Putin, um, invaded Ukraine and started a war. And... I feel like I, I want to talk about this first because th- this is the February wrap-up podcast and yeah, there are Hallmark movies to talk about and there are books that I read, but also there is a war going on right now, you know, started in February and I I I couldn't sit down and make a podcast first because it was so fresh and it was just, you know, I, I, I couldn't stop watching the news of every single thing happening because I couldn't believe this was happening. And then last week, I just felt that it would be very insincere to sit down and make a podcast like these were the Hallmark movies and these are the books that I read and act as if there's not an actual war happening and and acting as if there is not a very real probability that it will become a world war and that we will all be part of this. And I'm I'm still finding it very hard to find that balance between both because scrolling social media right now is very surreal. It's so surreal because I'm, I'm watching people uh, on my social media. I'm watching people review books, talk about their everyday lives, buying cars, getting ready to have babies, uh, going to Disney. And at the same time, the other half of my social media is Ukrainian journalists and Ukrainian people in Ukraine and and I'm I'm actually seeing dead bodies and I'm seeing buildings burnt down and I'm seeing complete destruction of cities and 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 I'm seeing people call, you know, put out the call for help for their governments to help. But then for the most part, my my friends list is you know, just it's not there and and I'm trying to find this bridge between being cognizant and staying present in the moment and also knowing that there are things that I can do here in America to help and still live my everyday life go to my job go shopping, 
hang out with friends. I went to my friend's daughter's fourth birthday party over the weekend. And, and like, you need those things, yeah? You, you have to have those moments. And yet you still also need to be present in what's happening. But very much me being an Enneagram 7, I am a, I need to know what's going to happen in the future now. Like, this is why I read the end of books, you know, when I'm about 50 pages into the book, because I need to know where it's going. And there's no, like, we don't know where this is going to go. I I think the best, uh, it's not an allegory. What's the word? I don't know the word I'm looking for. I think the best, uh, point of reference, we'll say that, that I can make to this is years ago, I found in um, a thrift store, I found this book called, um, oh shoot, um, The Wings of War or something like that. And it was a book written in 1941 in England. And they were basically like hero war stories already because for America, we did not personally enter World War II until after December 7th, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was attacked. But Europe had already been in war for a while at that point. I mean, it started in 1939, and then England was in it in 1940. Anyway, so this book has all of these stories. But in 1941, they they didn't know who was going to win. They didn't know at that time that America was going to get attacked, and they were going to enter, and then you know, the forces were going to come together and and then ultimately they were going to be able to defeat Germany. They didn't know that at that point. And here they are writing these books. And now, and I remember reading, reading it and like seeing the dedication, seeing the copyright page in, you know, 1941 and just thinking, this is so surreal to read a book written at a time where they didn't know who was going to win. And yet now I know, you know, now we know because it's happened. And now in 2022, I'm, I'm standing in a day and age where the events of World War II are literally reoccurring. They are happening again, just with different country names. And Yet, at this moment in time, I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know where it's going to go. So, it's hard. It's hard to sit and make this happy podcast because it's not happy right now. You know, the world is not happy. If you're really paying attention, the world is not a happy place. And I mean, the world hasn't really been a happy place in a while, but like this is this is the doom part that I, I, I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is, this is a doom that I did not feel when COVID hit, you know, wasn't the same. So that said, we're going to talk about the Hallmark movies. We're going to talk about the books you know, another podcast, we're going to talk about Sweet Magnolia's review. Um, Bridgerton season two is coming up. Like there are these things and there are these happy things. And 
I'm going to have next week off. So that'll basically be me trying to catch back up to the podcast after missing a couple of weeks. Um, you know, there are vacations to be had and, and places to go. And I want to honor all of that and try and be this happy place in the podcast world, be this happy place on the internet. But just know that that I'm struggling a lot with the state of the world. And, And so if you also feel that, you are not alone. Like, it's, it's okay to be present in your little world while also being present in the big world. It's okay to go to birthday parties while also, you know, checking Twitter to make sure that everything's still standing. It's okay to um, go on vacation and donate spring cleaning clothes that you don't wear anymore to organization. Like, it's okay to do these things and and still also be an active participant in trying to help where you can with what you can for others because, um, because it's scary. It's, it's very scary right now. Um, even being in America, I'm scared of where this is headed. And, and it's okay to be scared. So I guess that's what I want to say. It's okay to be scared and it's okay to feel really heavy. And it's also okay to, to feel light. It's also okay to take that break. Like I, uh, just saw a tweet, um, where Russia had made a list of countries that were unfriendly towards them and someone had retweeted it with the Animaniacs where, um, I can't think of the name, but he does the song about all of the countries. <laughs> and like, that's funny. And it's okay to have that moment and have a little giggle because, I mean, that's what political cartoons were. Now, instead of people just hand drawing everything, there are memes on the internet. So, so anyway, welcome everyone. Hi. Sorry that I was gone for a few weeks, but you know, it's okay to take a break and, you know, it's, it's always better to take a break than to push yourself past the point of no return. So let's get into the February Hallmark movies and, which is basically the Wedding Veil movies, and get into the books that I've read. Let's, let's do it. We're still, we're still going to have some happiness here. If there's nothing else, I still want to bring happiness because ultimately that's, that's what we can do is find, find our positives every day. Getting into the Hallmark movie wrap up, instead of Love Ever After, this February we had Love You Wary. Honestly, at this point, I just saw the commercials for, what's it called now, Spring Into Love, which is going to be March movies. Well, March, April, maybe combined. And instead of Spring Fling. And I am convinced that Hallmark as a whole had to rename every segment of their movies because Bill Abbott's not there anymore and he's the CEO of 
um, what, Great American Family? Is that the channel? Great American... What, is it Great American Christmas, right? So, yeah, Great American Family, I think that's the channel name. Anyway, um, I'm convinced. Because otherwise, like, New Year, New Movies instead of Winterfest and Love You Wary instead of Love Ever After and now Spring Into Love instead of Spring Fling, uh, which would mean the next one after that is June Weddings, but we didn't even have June Weddings last year, so uh, I don't even know where we're going with that. Uh, and then we had Summer Nights. I mean, how do you how do you rename Summer Nights? I don't know. And then... um. Fall Harvest. No, that's not what it's called. No, is that what it's called? Yeah, I think it's Fall Harvest and then Countdown to Christmas. I mean, I doubt that they changed Countdown to Christmas. Anyway, not the point. Uh, we had three movies. To this point, I've only watched two and I want to get this podcast out. So uh, really, really sorry. Did not get a chance. I haven't recorded. I just... Have not watched it yet. Uh, I have not watched Welcome to Mamas starring uh, Melanie Scrofano, Daniel Tommaso, and Lorraine Bracco. Um, That one reads, after she inherits an Italian restaurant in Brooklyn, manager Amy teams up with the master chef to relaunch the establishment and make her loved ones proud. Um, Sure, it's going to be good. Um, And I really do want to watch it. I just haven't had a chance yet. Let's look at the reviews from the app. Better than I expected. The next review says nothing special. Okay, that says, I was looking forward to this one, but it definitely fell flat for me. Mama was cold, for lack of a better word. So that's Lorraine Bracco's character. I wish they showed more of her and Amy's backstory. It felt like a lot of background info was missing. Also wasn't a fan of the female lead in this one. I also thought that the flashbacks were too much. I would have liked to have seen it all unfold in chronological order. And I would have liked to see more of Mama. It was cute enough, but not one I'll be watching again anytime soon. Um, The starring couple, not a good match. Could barely get through this one. Three and a half stars. It's three stars and a sun. So I'm assuming that's three and a half. Uh, It was okay. The actors were all very good at their parts. So it was uh, was the storyline. Some boring parts and flipping a lot to either distant past or not too distant past. All that to say it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Nice idea, but it was tedious. Not much chemistry between these leads. Least favorite Hallmark movie. Could not get into this movie. Did not like the back and forth in time. Uh, The end was predictable. (laughs) I mean, duh. That's like every Hallmark movie ever. Uh, And the back and forth was tiring. Okay. Magnifico. Here we go. Like, ooh, I don't know. There were 61 reviews. And, uh, okay. Uh, Anyway, Magnifico five hearts. I wasn't sure about this movie, but wow, Lorraine Bracco was perfect for her role, and I loved how the plot developed into a fabulous story. Loved seeing the flashbacks with Mama and Papa when they were young, and to read her recipe book that was like her history. So beautifully done, and would love to see more movies like this one. Love the two lead actors and how they interacted. Definitely a must-see movie. You won't regret it. Definitely a favorite for us. So I don't know. Haven't watched it, though. (laughs) So I guess we'll start there with uh, Welcome to Mamas. Did not watch it yet. I plan to watch it this weekend or at some point next week when I have the whole week off. So maybe I'll throw it in, I don't know, into some side podcast here. That said, I did watch the other two, which were the other two movies of the Wedding Veil trilogy that we started in January 
but then decided to put the other two in February. And you know what? I don't mind that. I really don't. But I'm still so confused about it because I feel like it would have made more sense if they had done one in New Year New Movies, one in Love, New Wary, almost said Love Ever After, and then one in this, uh, like, upcoming spring into love. Um, gonna take me a long time to stop saying love ever after and, um, spring fling. Uh, but I didn't hate that they were back to back because I loved both of them. The Wedding Veil Unveiled. This was the second movie starring Autumn Reeser and Paolo Bernard, uh, sorry, Bernardini. Um, and then also with Lacey Chabert and Allison Sweeney. I am obsessed. I'm obsessed with this movie. This says Emma travels to Italy to teach and research a wedding veil said to bring its owner love. While there, she meets Paolo, the son of a local lace-making family. So, as you recall from the first movie, the three girls, they went to college together. They're still best friends. Um... Autumn plays Emma, Lacey plays Avery, and Allison plays Tracy. They had gone to San Francisco. They find this wedding veil in a wedding shop, and all three of them go in together to buy it because the owner of the shop says, uh, like, whoever has the veil is destined to find their true love. Avery, who's Lacey's character, gets it first. She then immediately meets Kevin McGarry's character. Uh, well, I wanted to call him Kevin, but that's his actual name in real life. Uh, whatever his name was. I can't think of it now. Um, Paul? No, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, they end up together and they end up married at the end. At the end of that movie, she leads the girls into um, this room because the two of them had been making this paint or like had been restoring this painting um, for an art opening. And she points to it and she's and they're like, oh, it's a beautiful painting. And she's like, no look at the painting and in the painting the woman is wearing the veil the same veil and they know that it's the same veil because it has a little embroidered heart in the painting so in the at the end of the first movie emma which is autumn's character says well i got the grant to go to italy to teach because she's an art historian teacher so she says i got the grant to go to italy i could take the veil with me and do some research into it and see, you know, um, who, whose it is. And they're like, okay. And because Tracy's like, yeah, I'm not planning on getting married anytime soon. So take it. So she goes, she immediately meets Paolo. Oh, played by Paolo. I just, I did not catch that. That they shared the same thing. Um, and it's like, oh. It's so cute. I think what I loved the most about this movie is all of the heartwarming feels that I had to um, my time spent in Italy. Like, they are in... And it's so funny. I missed the first few minutes... um, watching it like I flipped it over and I just missed the first few minutes and so 
for like, I don't know, 45 minutes of the movie, I was so confused about where they were because they were talking about how she was teaching in Padua and, but like, she's walking like on the phone with Tracy and Avery and I'm like, I'm telling you that's Venice. Like I was like, I didn't say it out loud, but I'm like, God, it looks like she's in Venice, but they keep saying Padua. It's like, that doesn't seem right, but you know, whatever. And then, um... Paolo takes her to Verona, which famous, famously is Romeo and Juliet. And so, and like they go to the wall of Juliet and then he talks about the, the, um, secretaries of Juliet, which is, I mean, it's a true thing, but it also makes me think of Letters to Juliet, the movie with Amanda Seyfried. I love that movie. And like, then I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't watched that movie in forever. I really need to go watch that again because I loved it. Um, and then they go back and they're in Venice. I'm like, I, and so out loud, I was like, I knew they were in Venice. <laughs> like, I knew they were in Venice. Like, I don't know why they keep talking about Padua. And so I, I like looked it up because I, I didn't actually make it to Venice. I We made it to a few places in Italy, but um, I had some friends that went to Venice. But I'm like, I don't think Venice and Padua are, like, next to each other. And they're, like, kind of not. I think it was, like, an hour and 45 minutes away or something like that. So, anyway, like, loved it. Was, was very confused about the location of, you know, how they picked everything. But anyway, Paolo's family is a lace making shop. So this is like how they, because she's got the veil, but she has the veil when she meets him. And like, he obviously has feelings for her. He had been previously married. Um, and, and I think she died. It's been so many weeks. Yes, I, I did write it in my notes. Um, and so, he looks at it and it turns out that it was his family. It was his great, great aunt, great, great, great aunt. It was her veil. And then they have, there was this whole backstory with, um, like they find this picture and it says my most precious secret, Claudia. There's this whole thing with the painter and his great, great, great aunt and then Claudia and I don't want to give everything away but it's like you piece it together I loved the connect the dots of the storyline um okay I was looking at my notes again another favorite part like again because it's just such a callback to like I just as an American who has lived abroad makes me laugh she like at the beginning of the movie goes to plug in she's like okay I'm just gonna plug in here for my presentation the second she plugs it in it sparks catches fire and all the power goes out and she's she's like oh my god what what happened I'm like you're in Italy and then the student comes up and he looks and he says um he's like it looks like you used a converter and a converter and she was like, well, uh, like, yeah, I had to. And, and I just started laughing and my mom was like, oh, is that not what you're supposed to do? And I said, I was like, no, like she was converting her energy twice. So basically, if you don't know this already, but if whatever electronic device you have, if it comes with a box of some sort attached to it, so like say your computer, if you have like a non-Mac 
um, you know, you'll get the black cord and there'll be that black, like, rectangle-shaped box with the, like, that you have to plug, like, normally you plug something into it, the other side, and the other side's got the, um, like, what you plug into the, uh, wall, uh, into the power supply. That is your converter. So, you don't have to plug in another converter because you're converting the energy and you're adapting to the plug. So she was converting the energy and then converting it again. Um, it just made me laugh because, yeah, my roommates in Italy set a fan on fire at one point and uh, with like three hair straighteners all blew the fuse. Um, only one hair straightener survived. There were seven girls in our apartment. Only one survived. Um but yeah, that's your fun fact. You convert your energy and you adapt to the plug. So if it comes with a box at all, that is your converter. So I'm looking at a regular, like, USB uh, box from Apple. And it has... I'm trying to find the symbol. There's normally a symbol on it, and that's how you know that it's converting your energy. Oh, yeah. It says it right there. Um, what, 100 to 240 volts? So that's your converter, so you would just need the adapter to plug it in. Uh, but I just love, like, it's just like, what? how did this happen? And they're like, you're in Italy. And I said it too, and he's like, uh, it looks like you used a converter with your converter. Um, but anyway, at the end, Paolo, like, He's trying to expand the lace company and take it to America. And, like, you know, she's like, I'm only here for a couple of months, blah, blah, blah. And so he tells her, like, I think I'm falling for you. You know, this is huge because I never thought I was going to feel like this again. And she's like, well, but I'm just not going to be here. And I'm like, girl, girl, what are you doing? But um, then he, like, goes off to find her again because the family's like, yes, we should expand. So he goes off. He jumps onto a moving train because the train's leaving. And and she's just learned that, like, they're going to extend her um, her teaching out, at, like, in Italy. So she gets to go back and do it again in the fall. But, like, he it, like, basically tells her again, like, I love you. I want to try and make this work. And she says, well, a man who jumps into a moving train to tell me that I have to take a chance. And then they end up getting married, and it's really sweet. And her dress was beautiful, and it was, like, all lace. It was such a nice callback to the fact that his family was the one that made it, and their lace makers, and anyway, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Moving on to the last movie in the Wedding Veil trilogy, the third movie. It was actually the second movie, and then Welcome to Mamas was the last one, but we already discussed that one because I unfortunately have not watched that one yet. Um, anyway, Wedding Veil Legacy, this one is about Tracy, which is Allison Sweeney, uh, also had Victor Webster, and then obviously Lacey and Autumn, and then Paolo was not in this one, but Kevin's character, whatever his name is, <laughs> what was his name? Um, I wish that they just had the other Wedding veil. Oh, there, there it is right there. Uh, Peter, that was his name. He does show up at the end of the, of the third one and it was really sweet. Um, okay. It reads, Tracy is the last of the three friends to take possession of an antique wedding veil they purchased together. Will it prove to be magical for her despite her cynicism about its legend or will she marry the wrong guy? So she has the veil the Avery and Emma are happily married now. 
she lives in New York. And you know what else I love is that this trilogy series, like, they all live in different cities. So Tracy lives in New York City now. Avery lives in Boston. And then Emma is in Chicago slash Italy. Um, and Paolo, they were, I, I think I either didn't say it or said it wrong, but he was planning on opening up in New York, but then they ended up doing it in Chicago because she's in Chicago. Anyway, um, so I like, I love it because the three friends are very different and, and yet they all have this, like, they're all connected in the art world and they all love antiquing, but then they all live in these three, like, very different big cities. So anyway, she is very skeptic about this whole thing. She's like, she's very happy for them, but you know, she's just does not believe in it whatsoever. It's needs some repairs after Emma's wedding. And they're like, well, why don't you take the veil? Like just, you know, maybe, maybe it'll push along because she had been in a relationship for years with this other guy uh, who so happens to get a job. He is, he plays, I don't know, violin or he plays some instrument in the orchestra and ends up getting this job out in LA. So anyway, she takes the veil to this place because I, I think it was Emma or Avery. One of them was like, oh, we found a place that can fix the veil. Um, you just have to take it and drop it off. So Tracy goes to drop it off. He, and she's running late. He just so happens to already be working with Victor's character and he, and Victor's character is Nick. And so she's like, this will only take a couple of minutes. I'm, I'm running behind. And she ends up getting the help with the veil. Nick comes up and he's like, oh, and you know, they uh, at first are like, very cold towards one another, um, in a flirty way, but at the same time. And he's like, oh, it's a beautiful veil. When are you getting married? She's like, oh, no, I'm not getting married. And he's like, but yet you have a veil. And <laughs> she's like, yeah, I have a veil. Um, I'm getting it fixed, but whatever. It's not a big deal. She goes off with her art friend, and I don't know who this man is. I love him. He's been in a few movies lately. I need to see him in every movie. I am obsessed with him. Um, and what did, what did they call, what did they call Nick? Suit man? Chicken guy? No. Suit guy? Whatever. They had a nickname for him because they are also in the art world as like auction house, uh, sort of thing. And, um, they're having this event and they need a caterer. So her friend, he's like, oh, um, I think I know someone who can do it. Uh, like it's this guy, you like has great reviews. Let's go. So they go to have lunch and it turns out that it's Nick's restaurant. <laughs> and it comes this whole thing. He's like, oh, you guys know each other? And they're like, no, not really. Like whatever. Um, so then she ends up spending a lot of time with Nick. Nick's opening up another restaurant. He gets and so then he's like, oh, I could use some help, like, picking out some paintings, like, and artwork for the new restaurant. So they're spending time together with that. And she's trying to find a buyer for the speech, the poem um, that is featured on the Statue of Liberty. Like, give me your tired, your huddled, your masses. Uh, and so 
like he's trying to help her with that and like when I tell you Victor Webster absolutely <laughs> oh my god he makes me giggle like a little school girl school girl he makes me blush um I'm obsessed with this man he at one point they have gone back and forth like trying to find this one guy who's like really super rich and had immigrated to America and so like oh he would probably be a great person to buy it and like she misses her first round with it and then she figures out that he goes to get breakfast at this one place like I don't know every Tuesday or whatever and so Nick goes with her and he's like you've got this you're gonna kill a like you're gonna crush it go do it he stands outside the whole time while she's in there talking to this guy and she walks out and he's like, so how did it go? She's like, you know, I think it went really well. You know, he said he was going to talk to his lawyers and stuff, uh, but he needs a proposal. So now I have to figure this out. And he's like, okay, we'll come back to the restaurant and I'll make you breakfast. I love this man. I love this man. Um, And she like constantly, because uh, she and the long-term boyfriend had broken up. And so then she starts redecorating her whole apartment. And it's so funny because Avery and Emma hear about this. And I forget who, I think it was Emma. Emma was on the phone with her and figures out that she's redecorating. So she calls Avery and Avery's like, how's she doing? And Emma's like, she's redecorating. And Avery was Lacey Chabert's character. And she just stops and she's like, oh no, this is bad. We need to go. What are you doing this weekend? We should go. <laughs> like we should go to New York and check on her. They end up meeting Nick and Nick's like, oh, the other two members of the Wedding Veil Club. Like, and they're like, oh, you know about the Wedding Veil? Uh, because at one point, cause he's like, okay, like what's the deal with the Wedding Veil? And so Tracy tells him and she's like, oh, it's so stupid. And he's like, well, what? And she's like, oh, you know, there's this legend that whoever has the veils doesn't define their true love. And he goes, oh no, that's, totally legit. Um, I just, I just love him. I just love him. Anyway. Anyway, very good. The chemistry off the freaking charts. Um, they end up kissing at one point. Okay. I have to talk about this because I absolutely like, oh, I injected into my veins. So they end up kissing at this one point and Tracy's like, I just, you know, I don't know that I'm ready for this. And, or she's like, you know, that just, she's like, oh, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen. And he's like, no, that's what I was hoping was going to happen. And then she's like, well, I just don't know if I'm ready for this. And he says, you know, along the lines of, he's like, I, like, I, I thought that you were feeling the same way, but if you don't, that's okay. And I'm glad that you're saying something and I respect that. And like, I don't want to push you into anything that you don't want to do. And he's like, so I'm going to give you your space and, you know, it's okay. Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, the bar is in hell. <laughs> the bar is below that um, for men in the world. But then you have Victor Webster. You have his character saying that. I just, I love it. Um, but also, I'm like, girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? So, anyway, she... He then realizes, obviously, that she's made a mistake and she does really like him. And Avery and Emma kind of help her along to, you know, get to that point. Her friend does too. So she goes off to find him at the opening of the restaurant. And they have this scene 
And he says something like, um, he's like, so if I were to kiss you again, that would be okay. And she's like, want to know? It depends on the kiss. He kisses her. And then she's like, okay, yeah, that's good. He kisses her again. And then they say something. And then he kisses her again. I was like, mouth open, jaw on the ground. I'm like, Hallmark who? Hallmark who? Four kisses already? And we're not even at the, like four, not, not like pecks on the cheek here. And we're not even finished with the movie yet. Then it gets to their wedding. Gets to their wedding. And there's this scene at the very end. I won't say it. But they have this scene and it just... I did not see it coming. It connects everything. Like, could not have connected the dots better. I love it. They get married and then all the girls are dancing together and Nick ends up talking to Peter, which is Kevin's character. And Peter's like, well, it's the wedding. He's like, welcome to the wedding veil club. And Nick's like, you don't actually believe in that, do you? And Peter's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you like, Avery had the veil when I met her and all the, I'm all, like, I would be fine. Honestly, I would be fine marrying any of those three men and then like if my best friends happen to be married to the other ones that I didn't marry like elite friend group absolutely elite friend group club initial yes I love it I loved this series I I wish there were more like I need more I, I need it. I loved it. The pairings were great. The storylines were great. I loved it. Way to go, Hallmark. Moving on now to the books that I read, If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy. First of all, if that name doesn't ring a bell, it because it did not ring a bell to me first. Uh, she is also the author that wrote Dumplin', which they turn into the Netflix movie in 2018 with Jennifer Aniston and... Danielle MacDonald, which I loved that movie. I still need to read the book. And I can't remember now. I'm pretty sure I, re I know someone that read the book. And I can't remember if she said she liked the book along with the movie or if she didn't. Anyway, y'all, when I tell you. <laughs> One, I read this book in under 24 hours. Couldn't put it down. It's 304 pages. So super easy to get through. And it just... Like, you know, sometimes you get those books that just read really fast. This is one of those books. It just reads so fast. And it says at like at the bottom, a meant to be series. So there's a second book that's coming out later this year. This, um, this one, If the Shoe Fits came out in August of 2021 is, but there's a second one called By the Book, which is actually being written by Jasmine Gilroy, uh, and I, I've been wanting to get into her books for a while now and just I have so many books on my TBR that I just haven't been able to get to them. But I'm so excited. And I kind of like this idea that there's a book series, but each book's going to be written by a different person. So, I mean, like, I feel like there's going to be more than just the two because I feel like you can't really call it a series if there's only two books. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's a play off of Cinderella. I, I like... I'm obsessed. I'm absolutely obsessed. It reads, if the shoe doesn't fit, maybe it's time to design your own. 
Cindy loves shoes. A well-placed bow or a chic stacked heel is her form of self-expression. As a fashion-obsessed plus-size woman, she can never find designer clothes that work on her body, but a special pair of shoes always fits just right. With a shiny new design degree but no job in sight, Cindy moves back in with her stepmother, Erica Tremaine, the executive producer of the world's biggest dating reality show. When a contestant on Before Midnight bows out to, at the last minute, Cindy is thrust into the spotlight. Showcasing her killer shoe collection on network TV seems like a great way to jumpstart her career. And while she's at it, why not go on a few lavish dates with an eligible suitor? But being the first and only fat contestant on Before Midnight turns into an turns her into a viral sensation and a body positivity icon overnight. Even harder to believe, she can actually see herself falling for this Prince Charming. To make it to the end, despite the fans, the haters, and a house full of fellow contestants she's not sure she can trust, Cindy will have to take a leap of faith and hope her heels and her heart don't break in the process. I cannot get enough of this book. I, I honestly don't know what part of it I enjoyed the most. Um... Because being a play on Cinderella, you just, like, you just assume, therefore, that the mother is going to be, or the stepmother is going to be evil, you know, the evil stepsisters could not have been any more wrong. Like, Erica, as the stepmother, fantastic, loves Cindy, has really taken her under her wing after, um... Cindy's father marries her and then obviously because it's Cinderella play on Cinderella her father has passed away um very unexpectedly the stepsisters also super great I had to go over to Goodreads to find all of the names because they didn't mention the names anywhere else um what were the oh okay so the stepsisters names here so in Cinderella it's Anastasia and Drizella and here it's Anna and Drew they could not be any more supportive of Cindy I just I loved it and then Henry who is Prince Charming so Cindy at the beginning of the book she's graduated Parsons kind of by the skin of her teeth um is that the saying I just said that like by the skin yeah, skinning your teeth or skinning your neck. I don't, anyway, um, hair. Okay, anyway, it's not the point. <laughs> I just said that, and then I'm like, but well, I don't think that's. I don't think that's right. But I can't. Anyway, not the point. Um, and so because her father had died, and that just really put her into a creative slump, but she finished school. However, she doesn't have a job. So she is going back to LA to help out with uh, Erica's three triplets uh, that she has had. Well, did they have a surrogate? Uh, anyway, um, she has had the triplets despite her father passing away because they like, I don't know, it was, it was in the book. And so, um, I mean, the triplets are like eight-ish, seven to six, six to eight years old. Um, honestly, I read this book a month ago now, but like, I love it. I need to own it. Um, and like, they're all happy to have her back. Uh, but Erica is has been hosting this Before Midnight show since it started, and it's basically like The Bachelor. But last second, someone drops out. So the twins... Anna and Drew decide, you know, they'll, uh, well, Erica, along with her assistant, Beck, and Beck is kind of like the fairy godmother in a way, 
Um, because like she's constantly like pushing Cindy to go like to do it, and Cindy's also kind of her own fairy godmother. But um, Erica and Beck at first are like, oh, when you know the twins are probably old enough to go on it now, or no, Anna and Drew aren't twins. Um, yeah, they're like nominally different ages. Or no, are they twins? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, get, I should really start taking notes on all these books that I read if I'm not going to review them uh, immediately after I read it. Uh, so they decide that they're going to go on it. And then Cindy is, well, at first they're like, oh, what about Cindy? And Erica's like, oh, you know, I don't know, like adding three people on. I don't know. And then Cindy goes to Erica that night and she's like, do you not want to do it because I'm in plus size? And Erica's like, no. And then she's like, well, no, not because you're plus size, but because, like, I don't know if, like, I don't want to subject you to that. Like, I believe in you. I think you're beautiful. I think you are obviously worthy of love and, and all of this, but, um, you know, do, it's a lot. The, the pressure is a lot you're in the spotlight a lot. Like, is that something that you can handle? Uh, and Beck is kind of like, no, she should do it. And Beck goes to Cindy and she's like, look, you could showcase your shoes. This would be a great opportunity for you. And then Cindy's kind of like, yeah, like it would, like I, like, maybe this could really jumpstart me. So she says, yeah, I want to do it. Plot twist. On the flight over from New York to California, Cindy ends up sitting next to this guy, Henry. <laughs> And, well, she bumps into Henry at the airport and then they end up, um, well, he ends up switching seats to sit next to her on the plane and they have, like, this whole great chat the whole time, but then just kind of part. And then when she gets out of the limo to go meet The Bachelor, it's Henry. And she's like, oh my God, it's you. And he's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And she's like, oh yeah. Like, you know, cause she, you know, so that no one thinks that they had already met. And that first night he like whisks her away and like takes her to his room and gives her a walkie talkie. And like, I, this, this book is, it's, it's just, it's a warm hug. It's, it's a cozy sweater on a rainy day. It's a hot cup of coffee. It's puppy snuggles. It's, like, putting on your favorite pair of comfy pants. Like, this book is just so freaking cute and sweet and just made me squeal. Like, and I couldn't put it down and I couldn't stop reading it. And it just made me feel so good. I am obsessed. I I am obsessed with a capital O. I absolutely love this book. You have, you have to read it. Actually, I did. I had so many favorite parts, but I did actually uh, screenshot one part and now I'm going to have to find it amongst my millions of pictures here. Um... Oh no, that was from another one. Uh, where... Wait a minute. Oh, no. I know what that book says. <laughs> We're going to talk about that book, too. It's not from that one. Keep going up. Um, oh, wait. Did I did I get two parts? 
No, that was from a different book. <laughs> oh, maybe I didn't save this one. Anyway, like at one point he asked her, like they end up sneaking away together when they get to New York City. And he asked her, like, how do you feel about couples that sit on the same side at restaurants? And she's like, oh, you know, I used to think it was cheesy, but, you know, maybe if it's with the right person. And he's like, yeah, me too. And and she's like, are you asking to sit next to me? And so they end up sitting next together, next to each other. And uh, he's like, I didn't just say that to do that. Like, I, I think I, I found the person that, or he's like, I didn't just say this because um, I want your dumplings. Like, I did it because I, I think I found that person. And it was so sweet. And I didn't even do that line justice because it was so good. But then they're like, they're running through New York and, um, this, I love this too. Whoa there, Henry says, as he catches me by the elbow. We can't have two clumsy people in one relationship. I let out a breathless laugh. With a shoe collection like mine, I can't afford to be clumsy. So I'll leave that title to you. I'd walk into a brick wall for you, he tells me fall into a manhole. My accidental tendencies are at your service. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and then, yeah, like there's, uh, there's obviously drama and it, this, I, I didn't realize that I had also had this. Anna and Drew, like I said, the stepsisters, so sweet. He's dead to me, Drew says, like a switch is flipped in her brain. Scorched earth dead to me. Anna nods. His pulse is non-existent. The doctor is pronouncing the time of death is now o'clock. They're calling the morgue. He's dead. She sighs lightly. You get dressed. Not really dressed. Just like daytime pajamas dressed. And Drew and I are on snack duty. Meet you in the main house in five. Like, they are so, like, they're so sweet. This whole book, 10 out of 10, million out of 10. You have to read it. I'm obsessed. Julie Murphy. Thank you. Like, just talking about this book again has given me so much serotonin. I loved it. Finley Donovan Knocks Him Dead, next up by El Cosimano. Guys, if you remember anything from last year, the second I read Finley Donovan is Killing It, I could not wait for this sequel. I tried on NetGalley to get an advanced reader copy because I needed to know. I needed to know ASAP what happened. I did not get in. I could not wait. Like, And then I was checking to like get it through the Libby app just obsessively. And then when it came, uh, like by the time I remembered again to go check for it, it, there was like, I don't know, a three month wait at least. I was like, oh my gosh. But right after the book came out, like the second day it was released, um, I, or no, let's see, came out February 1st. Uh, yeah, like February 5th came around. It was like, oh, you like skip the line, get a copy now from the library. I was like, I, I literally like hit it so hard on my touch screen. I I'm just happy I didn't break anything. So I was like, yes. Uh, I was like, swipe up. Yes. Get, open up the app right now, right now. Give me this book. 368 pages. El Cosmato. Oh my God. What? I love it. Okay. It reads, Finley Donovan is, once again, struggling to finish her next novel and keep her head above water as a single mother of two. On the bright side, she has her live-in nanny and confidant, Pharaoh, to rely on, and the only dead body she's dealt with lately is that of her daughter's pet goldfish. On the not-so-bright side, someone's out there 
Someone out there wants her ex-husband Stephen out of the picture. Permanently. Whatever else Stephen may be, he's a good father, but saving him will send her down a rabbit hole of hit women disguised as soccer's mo- soccer moms and a little bit more involvement with the Russian mob than she'd like. Meanwhile, Vero's keeping secrets and Detective Nick Anthony seems determined to get back into her life. He may be a hot cop, but Finley's first priority is preventing her family from sleeping with the fishes. And if that means bending a few laws, then so be it. With her next book's deadline looming and an ex-husband to keep alive, Finley is quickly coming to the end of her rope. She can only hope there isn't a noose at the end of it. This book series, one, I cannot wait. Like, they left it, Elle left it very open-ended. I just automatically assume that we're getting a third book. I mean, we better. We better. I don't know that I've heard anything outright yet that we're getting a third book, but I would be shocked if we didn't. It definitely, though, didn't end on a cliffhanger of, like, the okay, so now we can talk about it. So the end of the first book, like, in epilogue, she opens up an envelope and it has Stephen's name on it. And, you know, it's like $100,000 or something like that. Um, and that was, you, you were like, oh my God, who wants to kill Stephen? <laughs> like, I need to know right now, right now, right now. So Finley is, once again, among it. She is trying to figure it out. Her book editor is on her again because she needs to get a new book out. And she's like, what's going on with the lawyer? What's happening with the hot cop? And like, that's literally what she calls hot cop, which is Nick um, by proxy or whatever. And um, Finley's like, well, I don't know. Like, I think I might kill off the cop. And the book editor's like, absolutely not. Cannot do. We we do not accept this. We need the hot cop. Um, and Finley and Vero are trying really hard to keep the kids on a pretty tight leash around Stephen because you're like, they know that someone wants him dead, but they can't figure out who. The hijinks again that happen, I mean, this really is if I Love Lucy were a mystery series tied in with some romance. Like, I mean, because you really, like, you really can't make it up. Or um, I feel like this is, it's, like, out there. Like, it would never happen. But, like, if it were to happen, it would be one of those things where you're just, like, you literally can't make this story <laughs> Because her hands are so tied that, like, she, it gets to a point where you're kind of, like, I, I really just want to tell you. Like, I mean, her sister is a cop. Nick, he definitely has feelings for her. And so, like, but she, you know, she doesn't want to start anything with Nick because then she's like, okay, but, you, you know, like, technically I have kind of killed two guys, although I really haven't. And now, like, now I'm doing all of these illegal things and I'm trying to figure out who's trying to kill my husband, but I can't tell anyone that someone wants Stephen dead because then they would know that, like, I was on the server, and I know the, you know, what's going on. <laughs> and so Finley is just, she's just, you know, like, cannot keep anything together. And Nick keeps showing up. It gets to the end. Like, I really, as much as I just talked about If the Shoe Fits, I really 
like can't talk about this one because I want you to read it. And if I start going into too much detail, it's going to give a lot of things away. But all I will say is at the end, at the end, it is Thanksgiving, Christmas? No, because it was Thanksgiving in the it's Christmas. It's Christmas. And um, Nick is there. And when he goes to leave, he asks her at one point about, he's like, well, what about your lawyer? And she's like, oh, you know, we broke up. And he's like, oh, that's, yeah. I, well, no, I don't even think he says that's too bad. I don't know. Whatever he says. So then he starts going into all of these things that I can't, that I can't say because it would give stuff away. But then he says, like, she, he, he like lists off all of these things. Yeah, and you're like, I knew it. Like, I knew that he knew all along. Like, the, you know, like, he's not dumb. <laughs> like, the whole reason why she didn't want to be in a relationship with him or, like, go back out on dates with him is because she's like, he would figure it out. Girl, he already knows. He already knows. He is smart, okay? But anyway, so he says all of this and she's just, like, wants to swallow her tongue because she just, like, does not have a reply (laughs) and he says and then he like breaks the silence and he says more than all of that I'd really like to kiss you right now and the answer to those questions would probably be in it so I think for now I'd rather just not know (laughs) Nick Nick I'm obsessed I'm obsessed we need a third because there's a shady character And, like, and I can't talk about it because then I feel like it gives stuff away and, like, I need to know. And then we have to deal with Vero's stuff and then money involved. You know what? Actually, I think the second one does end with them finding out about someone and because there was, like, a million dollar hit on that. Well, I forget who it is, but anyway, I need a third. Sooner rather than later, L, you crushed it again. I'm really not a mystery kind of reader. I can't put these books down. I love them. They're just, they're, it's a lighthearted mystery fun book. Like it's not, it doesn't give you the heebie-jeebies. It doesn't like, you make you only want to read it in daylight. Like, and it's not real, like it's suspenseful, but it's also not suspenseful where then you're going to, like jump if someone like walks in the room and says hi you know so it's the suspense where you're like who is it but you're not like is someone gonna come around the corner and stab me in the back it's not like that so anyway you have to read the book i have to read both books love it give me the third pronto thank you the holiday plan by emma linden was the next book that i read um available on kindle and paperback i got it through hoopla which is another app that's, well, I'm a little confused by it, but um, anyway, found it on Hoopla, which also works with libraries. Love it. 301 pages came out of January this year. It reads, "Hmm. Native New Yorker and author Verona Scott is battling heartbreak, both personally and professionally. Coming off a disastrous split with her ex, she's struggling for inspiration to write her next book, and she's lost without her favorite, Antheone. Hoping for a fresh start, she's planned a luxurious trip along to the historic Cordington Castle Hotel in the adorably quaint town of Camelot Creek, tucked into a picturesque valley in the Adirondacks. 
That's just very, like, that was a lot of descriptor words there. Uh, but finding peace and quiet won't be easy as she thought. It'd be as easy. Instead, she's just walked into one of the biggest matchmaking events of the year, not to mention the incredibly attractive single dad and dating coach Troy Turner is heading the whole thing up, and he's on a mission to include Verona in the festivities. Troy is in the middle of professional crisis of his own. After a bit of unfounded bad press, the very last thing he needs is a guest to cast out in the minds of his attendees. Will Troy convince Verona that his event might be exactly what she needs? No matter what, for Verona this holiday, everything changes. So, this book, I give it a, you know what, what did I give it on, uh, in my book category reads here? I gave it a three and a half. Okay, good. That's what I thought I gave it. Uh, <laughs> so I give this book a, th a three and a half. And let me explain why. I read this book because it ha it had popped up like in um, Amazon email things of like other books that you might like. Um I think, like, after I read If the Shoot Fits. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I was like, oh, it's a book, like, with Valentine's Day, and it's February, so, like, perfect timing. I'll definitely, like, sure. Found it on Hoopla, thought, okay, it's 301 pages, okay? The If the Shoe Fits was 305 pages. Thought, great. Read it in a day or two. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. This book just could not grab my attention for a while. Well... Like, it, it grabbed my attention, but it never kept it for long. I guess I'll say it that way. And once I got, like, into it, I I wanted to read it, but also it just didn't read fast for me. Uh, I liked Verona. I liked Troy. I liked his daughter. I, I didn't really, like, overly love any of the characters, there was sort of a more complex background story, uh, repairing the relationship between Verona and her father, and then ends up being, like, and then her father and her mother end up reconnecting. Um, so, like, that was sweet, and Verona and Troy together, um, they're cute. I just... I don't know. Like, I didn't hate it. It's a cute book. But I also, like, I thought it was going to go a lot faster than it did for me. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I guess I was expecting more from it. But um, I believe that it's her first book. It's it's good overall. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you like Valentine's Day things, obviously now it's March. But, um, yeah, you should read it. I'm trying this year to throw in where I can books that also go with the season that I'm reading it in, like the month or like if there's a um, special holiday associated with it. So I actually have one. Mm, uh, honestly, my poor TBR list. I just, I have so many books. I have so many books and it keeps, oh, you know what? Now I got to borrow it because now it's March. Uh, anyway, Lucky Leaf Day. That's the book that I'm reading uh, specifically for March because, because uh, you know, it's March and that's it. I, I think I have five books checked out and I hate this. I, I know that I've talked about this before. I try not to check out so many books at once because then I hate 
if I don't get it read, even though I'm checking them out through the library. So it's not like I'm wasting money by buying books and then not reading them. And it's just not wasting in a way because it's, it's helping the authors. Um, but like, I, I hate books piling up that I, and then I just, I don't read them as I stare at a literal pile of books that I have bought and never read. Uh, but so I like try to be intentional. So therefore I only get like two books at a time out. That way, like, I don't have the pressure. And no, right now I just have like, I just have so many books. Oh, that's my hold list. Uh, yeah, no, on my shelf right now, though, I'm currently reading Meet Me in Hawaii, which is the second book by Georgia Toffolo. Uh, Meet Me in London that I reviewed in December. That was there. Uh, the Fastest Way to Fall by Denise Williams of Literature and Lattes, Breaking the Billionaire's Rules. Here's looking at you. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So I'm gonna have six books out currently. So that's cool super pumped about that. Anyway, though, it's going to be fine. It's going to be totally fine. Lucky Leap Day. A hilarious whirlwind romantic comedy. Oh, why'd I get Leap Day? Because Leap Day is February. I don't know why I did that. I was thinking March. You know what? This has just gone on a total rant that didn't need to be there. But anyway, the holiday plan for February Valentine's book to read in February for Valentine's Day. It was cute. It's a solid three and a half stars for me. And that's, it's a three and a half star book. It wasn't terrible. Could have been better, but overall it's a solid book. And you know what? It's not like I'm an author. So, I mean, I'll really tell you if I don't like a book. Uh, but otherwise, like, I, I don't like to be overly critical because, you know, I, I know that I probably wouldn't take it that well. So anyway, that's the holiday plan. Eight Perfect Hours by Leah Louise. This is exactly why I just said that I try not to get too many books out at once because I want to be intentional. When I first finally had this book delivered to me in January, I made it through like the first 40 some pages and then just didn't get a chance to finish it. And so the hold had lapsed. And right before the hold lapsed, I was like, no, I, I want to get it back again because I really want to give it the second chance that it deserves to really read the book. I am so happy that I did that. Like, I am so happy that I read this book. It is so good. And I feel like maybe I just wasn't giving it the due diligence that it needed at the beginning because I felt like it read really slow at the start. But when I got into it. Y'all, I don't know what the trope is here. Um, I don't even know if this is a real actual trope, but if there was a trope, it would, like, probably my favorite trope would have to be, uh, like, running into your soulmate <laughs> randomly <laughs> for, like, a year. <laughs> I don't know. Like, randomly meeting your soulmate and then, then running into them like here and there over the course of a year, five years, 10 years, whatever. Uh, it's like every single time that happens, the book, I'm like, sign me up, sign me up. The one, the one time that I don't recall liking it is one day in December. And that's because that book literally went through a span of 10 years. And I was like, it's, that's, it's enough slices for me. Okay. It's enough slices for me. It didn't need 10 years to go through this. I, because I, I'm not going to put 
people we meet on vacation in that category. And the people we meet on vacation is sort of that category, but also that's just friends to lovers. Like, it's friends to lovers first, and then, like, the continuation of time after time after time. Um, but, like, they were friends the whole time. So, yeah, it's friends to lovers, and I just absolutely hate that book. Uh, my friend Danielle just finally read it, and she's like, I really liked it. I was like, oh, I feel like we need to reconsider uh, friendship here because I could. No, no, thank you. Um, so this is 336 pages. came out September 28th of last year. It was another one of the books that it came out, and I just didn't have the time because of all of the Christmas movies. It reads... On a snowy evening in March, 30-something Noelle Butterby is on her way back from an event at her old college when disaster strikes. With the blizzard closing off Rose, she finds herself stranded alone in her car without food, drink, or a working charger for her phone. All seems lost until Sam Atwood, a handsome American stranger also trapped in a nearby car, knocks on her window and offers assistance. What follows is eight perfect hours together until morning arrives and the roads finally clear. The two strangers part, positive they'll never see each other again, but fate, it seems, has different plans. As the two keep serendipitously bumping into one another, they begin to realize that perhaps there truly is no such thing as a coincidence. With plenty of charming twists and turns, Leah, Leah Louise's bold standout voice, Eight Perfect Hours, is a gorgeous craft, gorgeously crafted novel that will make you believe in the power of fate. British authors just do it better. British authors just do it better. I might make a shirt that says that. I mean, it would very it'd be a very niche market, but it would work for me. British authors just do it better. Um, Noel and Sam, like again, it's one of those books where if I tell you, it it kind of ruins the like it doesn't really ruin the end, but like it's such a perfectly crafted ending story that you're like, oh my god. Um, so I feel like I can't really get into it. But Noelle and Sam, they have this one night, everything's great, and then he goes off to the airport. I mean, they, they just talk about kind of everything under the sun. She talks about how, uh, like, she's kind of homebound at this point because her mother has had a stroke, and so her mother takes care, or she takes care of her mother, and... She's like, you know, my mom's fine now, but she just kind of lost all of her confidence. And so she doesn't really leave the house. And so that's why I clean. Like, I'm a cleaner, um, you know, because it, it's very flexible hours and stuff. But like, if I could do anything, I would want to be um, like, I'd want to do flowers and stuff. And they just go on. They talk about her ex-boyfriend who had moved to Oregon. He's a doctor. He's a pediatrician. Uh, and you know, and she goes on about Oregon because that's where um, Sam's from. And she's like, oh, you know, I was supposed to have a pen pal from Oregon once. Spoiler alert. What's that? Uh, and she's like, yeah, but then like something happened and, you know, he uh, moved and wasn't there. Guys, guys. Oh, it was just, it was, it was like um, the same time next year or no, is that the name of the Sophie Cousins book from last? last year say this this time next year this time next year I think that's what it is um it was just like reminiscent of that it was so good um and so like they part he goes to the airport she goes back home she's living her life a couple weeks go by and uh next door neighbor 
is there visiting her mom because he's in love with her. And um, it, he's like, oh, you know, like have this new cleaning job, like have this friend from Racket Club or whatever. Um, he's moving and they need a cleaner. Like he's kind of a hoarder and he's kind of standoffish, but like I said, there'd be no one better than you. So she ends up going, it's Sam. Um, and so she, no, does that happen before or after the Oh, no, 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 no. So first her mom falls, like she's doing something, her mom falls. And so they have to go to the hospital. And while she's there, she runs into her ex, her ex, Ed, well, she'd already run into her ex, uh, like he's working at the same hospital. And, um, but she's just there and she's just very in her thoughts. And then the door opens, Sam's there and she's like, Sam, what, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, my dad's in the hospital. And she's like, my mom's in the hospital. And like, she just cries to him. And they just, again, have, like, this other, another night, and then she's like, oh, you know, um, like, here's my phone number, you know, like, we, you know, we can text, be friends, whatever, um, because she's like, this is, like, so weird that you're here, um, so, and then she is, like, leaving the hospital that night, and she finds the piece of paper, and it's there crumpled up, and so she's like, oh, okay, like, that's really awkward, because I guess we're, like, not gonna be friends anyway. And, um, so, like, she ends up talking to her friends about it. Um, oh, and so she's talking to her best friends about it. And the husband, Theo, cracks me up. Because, um, is she, well, her friend looks at her husband and she says, staying in touch, so mild sounding, so benign and friendly. She looks at Theo as if he's an oracle and not a Greek deli owner. What's he got to be afraid of? And he says, well, a number of things, says Theo measuredly. Maybe he got the vibe, I say, that I was sort of checking out his nice jaw and his broad shoulders and imagining just a bit what he might look like up a mountain and nothing but bare skins. Theo shakes his head. Nah, we don't pick up on things like that, he says. No, I think it's fear. It feels like fear. Sounds like fear. I just, I was just like, maybe he got the vibe. He's like, no, we don't pick up on things like that. So, um, oh, wait, did this come from the, um, oh, no, no, no. That was from another book. That was from another book. Um, okay. That was, so, um, but then she's like, okay, yeah, I'll take the cleaning job. Turns out to be Sam's dad. And she's like, oh my God. But then she like you know, he catches on that she realizes that he didn't take her phone number. And he's like, well, you know, I, I have this girlfriend, like, well, we're kind of not together, but we're trying to work things out. And she's like, well, that's okay. Cause like, I'm talking to Ed again. And he's like, oh, Ed, the ped, um, the pediatrician. I, I, I would, ju I'm just assuming cause it was like Ed, the PED. So I'm just assuming that they're saying Ed, the ped, cause that rhymes with Ed. Uh, so, um, Anyway, they, like, have this friendship, but they keep running into each other. Like, they're just, there are these moments, and, like, there's this moment at one point with a keychain, and it's, oh, my God. Anyway, anyway. So, she finally takes this job. Like, I just, I have to point this out. She takes this job to do the flowers for her, of, well, she cleans this office building, and on their eight perfect hours night, she's telling Sam about how uh, she found these post-it notes from this couple who, like, 
they were exchanging post-it notes, um, saying in uh, just a whole variety of things, uh, like with the secret office romance. So every time they see each other, he like asks about the post-it notes. She's like, oh yeah, they're getting married. <laughs> so he's like, oh my God, no way they're getting married. Um, and she's like, yeah, they want me to do their flowers, but like, I just can't. But then her mom's like, no, you have to go. Like, you have to go. I'm going to get help. Um, you know, you, you have to live your life. And so she goes off. Sam is supposedly, like, they're both going to be in Glasgow. So they, they live in England. But then they're both going to Glasgow. I don't remember where in England. But they both live in England. Well, his father's in England. It just happens to be the same town, obviously. And um, so they're in England. But then they both have to go to Glasgow because Sam's supposed to go for this mountain thing because he's a mountain climber. And... Then it turns out they're at the same hotel. Ed goes because he wants to support her, but he's the worst. I'm, he's just the we're just, he's the worst. I hate him. And uh, so she ends up running into Sam, and Sam like comes in to help her like uh, with the flowers and stuff. Then they kiss. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um. So then she's like so like just can't you know, cause she has feelings for him, but she's like, no, he's trying to work things out. And like, what, well, like what if Ed and I are trying to have something like, I don't know. But then post-it notes after the event, she goes, she goes back in and she just like looks around and it says later, I head back into the dark, empty stock room on the back of the door. There's a post-it note stuck on it. Proud of you. It says, love Sam. X. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is in hell, my friends. The bar is in hell. Um, yeah. Oh my god, it was so sweet. And then the ending, I can't get into it because it'll give stuff away, but you must read it. Leah, I don't know what to say. I've already, I'm like, whatever book she, and like, I love when I love a brand new author because I'm like, okay, mark it down every single book you've ever written, I want to read it because I'm probably going to love them. And if I don't love them, whatever, I'll read the next one because I'll probably love that one. And it's just a fluke. Loved it. Loved it so much. So glad that I gave it the second chance that it deserved. You absolutely must read it. I don't know what else to say. I loved it so much. It's so good. It's so good. The final book that I read in February, again, it was another book that I just could not put down. I was laughing so much. The Billionaire's Wake Up Call Girl by Anika Martin. This is part of a series. This is actually book two. I need to read book one, but I just got book three from the Libby app and I have not been able to read it yet. 330 pages originally came out in 2018. I heard about this because the other book group that I'm in, um, they were talking about it because someone had listened to it on audio or something like that and it, people were laughing. And so um, I got it through the Libby app and it it's hysterical. It's, it's a spicy, hysterical book. It reads, when my manager assigns me the task of finding a new wake-up call service for our CEO, I think, how hard can this be? Answer, practically impossible. It turns out that no wake-up call company in the world will take him on as a client. They've all had enough of his surly personality. So in an effort not to lose my job, I secretly start making the calls myself every day at 4.30 a.m. sharp. Oh my god, yes, you read that right. 4 freaking 30 in the morning. Confession. I'm not the nicest wake-up call girl at that hour. Hello, who wakes up before the roosters are even crowing? Luckily, he doesn't seem to mind my get-your-ass-out-of-bed attitude. 
Day by day, we're becoming closer, and the calls start turning hot, like pay-by-the-minute hot and oh-so-wild. Snuggled under the covers, with the moonlight streaming up the windows, in the windows, we divulge our secrets to each other, but the one thing that he can never find out is that the sexy vixen who wakes him up every morning is just the lowly assistant who wears frumpy dresses. I can only imagine his disappointment. Now he wants to take me out on a date, and he's scouring Manhattan to find me. He's an overachieving billionaire bent on a mission. How much longer can I keep up this charade? I didn't know what to expect other than I knew that it was going to be a laugh because everyone was talking about how funny it was. Um, it's... I'm thinking about it now. I mean, it's... Wait, yeah, it's, it's a mildly spicy book. Um... I mean, nothing like Fifty Shades of Grey sort of spicy, but I mean, it's it's a fairly spicy book. But the first time she calls him, she doesn't realize she, so her, she has a roommate and, well, she's contemplating if she's actually going to call. And so her roommate comes out too, and it's at 4.30 in the morning and her roommate's like, oh, come on, it's not going to be that hard. And and she thinks that her roommate has pretend dialed the phone number, but then her roommate hands it to her and she just starts going off and she's like, um, wake up, get your ass out of bed. It's 4.30 in the morning. Uh, like, who even does this? Who isn't even smart enough to use a um, regular alarm clock like everyone else? And <laughs> just goes off on him and all of a sudden, and her roommate's like, like gesturing and and she's just rolling with it and she keeps going and her roommate's like yeah and then she hears hello <laughs> oh my god i was it was too funny and so he ends up um quoting that at one point cuz what is one of the thing i i wish i had saved it what's one of the things she says um it was something about getting up so early and then like what are you gonna do take a walk and watch as the birds fall from the sky at your glory or something like that it's something to that effect because later on they're talking on the phone at this point he knows who she is and they're talking and and she's like oh what are you gonna do now and he's like well I, actually I thought I would go take a walk and watch as the birds fall from the sky <laughs> Oh, it was funny. I mean, it's a very impractical book. Um, but it's just, it was just a funny book. I think, let me check what it says here. Oh, I thought it was Kindle Unlimited. I guess not. I guess it's not on Kindle Unlimited, but, um, like I said, I got it through the Libby app, uh, so you can do that. And yeah, the third book picks up with her roommate, so, so I don't know if the first book has any tie-in to then the second book, but I love when books as a series, they, like, they introduce people and then that person ends up getting their own book. I love that. Like, On Dublin Street series is a classic example of that. Honestly, I feel like the On Dublin Street series is a spicier book than this was. Maybe not. I don't know. Like, now I'm, I'm having that COVID block again, or just mental block. I don't know. I don't know if I can still blame it on COVID. I mean, I guess I can because the COVID stuff, um, they said sometimes the mental stuff lasts for like six months. But um, yeah, anyway, thought it was funny, laughed a lot. And 
now it is it I do have the next book and you know it's due back in like eight days or something so I gotta get on it I will be reading lots of <laughs> hopefully fingers crossed I'll be reading lots of books next week on my week off so yeah, that is it. That is the February wrap-up podcast. We got there in the end, guys. Um, like I said at the start, it was it was a hard month. Um, it's still hard now going into March. It's been a hard year so far. When we were kind of joking at 2022 being 2022, like as in T-O-O, um, I don't think that we needed it to be as literal as what we were kind of joking about. Anyway, uh, I think one of the quote-unquote makeup podcasts that I will be doing um, and hopefully also putting out this week is a podcast for um, places that you can go, ways that you can help uh, the people of Ukraine uh, and proper charities. I know that there have been social media posts floating around out there, but um, you know, outside of the first couple of days, a lot of that is really tapered off. And unfortunately, this is not something that's, you know, like a hurricane or a tornado or uh, really any other, any other kind of thing. It's, it's still ongoing. Um, so those people are going to need help. Uh, and the way that they're going to need help is going to continue to evolve and change. Um, as this unfortunately goes on. So I think I will be doing a podcast about that. So make sure you're on the lookout for it. Um, yeah, until the makeup podcast though. <sighs> it almost feels wrong to say this, but um, you know, as the tagline goes, remember there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time. It's going to be okay. Somehow we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this and you know, I don't know, hopefully learn more things and hopefully then we're never going to see it again. Hopefully. Um, that's always the hope. Uh, so yeah, until next time guys, I'll see you then.